Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. Welcome back to The Sonic Collective. My name is Alan, and once again, I am joined with Darren Scott, Scott Coates, and Scott Gregory. And this episode, we are reviewing my pick for February 2021, and that was Dwight Yoakam's Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc. Now, I had picked this as part of our ongoing series exploring country music, um, and this this album was set kind of mid-80s, and the previous albums that we had listened to were both kind of mid-70s, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of explore how the evolution of that sonic, like that country music sound, kind of moved along from the 1970s in through the 1980s, and that's why I picked this album in particular. Um, I was kind of familiar with one of the tracks on it, but otherwise it was kind of a new one for me. But I can go into further detail later. Let's throw it over first to Darren Scott. I want to I wanna know what you thought of this album. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Um, I, I, I remember this album. It was um, in the 80s. I was in high school. Um, I always reference my love of the 80s and uh, the high school days. But that, that was the best, man. That's where all the best movies are from. You know, there's no real great. There's no 2010s. What's that 2010 awesome high school movie? See, you can't do it. Anyway, well, maybe super bad, but, um, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, so I, I was never a big country music fan, but at this time in the kind of mid late eighties, there was kind of this resurgence and new country starting to come out. And, um, I don't remember listening to a lot, but I remember stuff like Randy Travis, like love you forever and ever. Amen was about the same time. Um, and, just kind of this kind of resurgence and popularity of country and realize too that now this is a transition it i find that now it just sounds pretty country pop like and it's a bit twangy um and it's a very kind of you know often heard sound this this kind of honky tonk hillbilly uh that is still around today but really at the time it wasn't super popular like the, the you're talking Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton who we just had uh in the first pick but these were the artists that were still kind of popular in the 80s and that type of music uh so even though you might think it sounds the same or similar it actually doesn't it's quite different um so he kind of introduced this more rock kind of feel to it a bit uh, and added a, a bunch of different kind of instrumentation in the way they recorded. Um, he recorded with Pete Anderson was the producer and he was also his guitarist, an amazing guitarist. He could play any kind of style. Apparently he's just like brilliant, brilliant guitarist has played with many other artists as a producer. He worked with like Roy Orbison, Katie Lang, Lucinda Williams, Buck Owens in you know, the meat puppets, which is weird. Um, but yeah, Jackson Brown, like real big acts. So, um, apparently like Dwight really was into his sound and loved that sound. And he, but he just wanted to write the songs and he, he let, uh, Anderson just do his thing and produce it. And they never actually, I guess, fought over it. They kind of just said, yeah, I'll write and I'll kind of play my style and you just mix it however you want. So interesting that they did three albums together. This was his very first album um, out in 1986, as you mentioned. He was about 30 at the time. He had struggled a bit. He had uh, uh, 
tried to be an artist, uh, ended up in Nashville, of course, where every country music is. And he didn't do well in Nashville because they all wanted Dolly Parton and, uh, you know, the grand old Opry acts. They just weren't ready to change. Uh, so he went to LA and funny enough, he played in almost any club he could. And he was playing with like punk bands and he would play, uh, with, he played with Los Lobos, uh, and just would kind of tour with these people just to get gigs. But he also borrowed from their sound and was trying to develop his own thing and could basically entertain. I can't imagine going to a punk show and Dwight Yoakam being the opener with these songs, but he did it at that time. Uh, you know, so I remember from high school, I did really enjoy it in high school. I got to say, listening, like I mentioned, it, it's a little poppy now and, you know, it kind of warmed me. I, I was surprised how many words I remembered going through the album, but um, it definitely ages maybe not quite as well as some of the other classics. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he was really influenced by like the Johnny Cash, but Buck Owens and some of these great uh, Merle Haggard. So he was he was like in that more country rock feel. So I do I do appreciate that. Um, I also remember it was a few years later, but now like albums are released and you hear the song so instantly. But back back in these days, it took years. So I remember when Terminator Two come out. I don't know if you remember that, but this was in the soundtrack. It was in the movie. Guitars Cadillacs was being played in the the bar scene when there was this big bar fight. Um, and I really remember it from that. And that's after that, I remember like, yeah, I like that song. And uh, Steve Earle, who was a contemporary at the time, also really liked that. Really kind of pushing the country genre a little more rock. Um, and, and became really popular. I mean, I was raised in Prince Edward Island and I mean, if I'm getting these songs and hearing them on local Charlottetown radio, it's probably throughout North America, pretty widespread. So, um, it was quite popular at the time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. Maybe I'll add a little bit more when I get to my scores, but I want to pass it on to uh, Scott Coates. Thanks, Darren. And interesting pick. I was never a country music guy, but I was a DJ, especially in the nineties. And I played at a place called the Rattlesnake Saloon. And so we played a little bit of everything there, including some country. And Dwight Yoakam was always sort of the kind of country we had to play. And I always kind of liked it. And I'm not sure why. And I was surprised. I'm always surprised and feel old when I look at the release dates of these. This thing's 35 years old. And no, Darren, I didn't realize there was a song from this on Terminator 2. I'm going to have to keep an eye open for that. But I think it mm -hmm. flows uh, really great as an album. Uh, I mean, Honky Tonk Man right out the get-go. It, I mean, it really establishes what the sound is, what the album's going to be about. Uh, it Won't Hurt, that's a great classic country song, the lyrics. And I literally laughed out loud when I heard him say, it won't hurt when I fall off the bar stool. I just thought, okay, this is a song with kind of goofy lyrics written in the traditional, you know, pickups, broken, dogs, dead sort of thing. Really great. I'll Be Gone rolls along real nicely. And then Bury Me is a great toe tapper and then we get into guitars cadillacs which i really really love that song so i think I mean, as it unfolds as an album it's just a fun country album ring of fire yeah i always kind of think it's highly risky for an artist to play to do a cover of a really well-known song by a really great artist so yeah I mean, i'm with you on that one i didn't really like that cover yeah. i didn't I, did, I didn't like it i mean he does an all right job and i just wonder on a debut album like you must be short of some songs to get a whole album together because this is only i think 31 minutes that said on later albums i'll give dwight yoakam full credit because i think he does incredible covers of crazy little thing called love by queen and suspicious minds by elvis so for whatever reason he's not scared to try and cover big big songs <laughs> 
And heartache by numbers is a good ender. So, I mean, all around, this is, I think, exactly what it feels itself is, is a, is a good, all-around, fun, honky-tonk album. And again, I'm not a country guy, but for some reason, this music is pretty palatable with me. So why don't we throw it over to the other Scott, Mr. Gregory. Yeah, so this is, since we're all positioning this uh, in our timelines life-wise, this is right smack dab in the middle of when I was sitting in the record room of the local uh, radio station while my mom was doing her country music show. She was the the country director there, right? So this was uh, right in that mix uh, of just all the artists that she was playing at home, getting ready for the shows and things like that. So I got a lot of exposure to him and his contemporaries. And... I appreciate it when artists refuse to go along with the, uh, you know, the idea that just the old way of doing things are wrong in music that you have to completely, you know, if you're not in disco, you can't take anything from disco. Disco's dead, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it's really loud, Darren. <laughs> just pouring a drink here. <laughs> and um, we can't do these shows sober. Well, I can't, but yeah. <laughs> Darren is typically under the influence of something. Do you want to shout out? Is this a local brand? Uh, well, no, well, the, the, the booze, yeah, whatever. It's just one of those coolers. But uh, the Cannabis Legend 7, a local Calgary company that does uh, edibles for the Canadian legal cannabis market. You still have to hook us up with the uh, sponsorship. Yeah. How many times do you have to mention them before they <laughs> throw a little product? <laughs> All right. Uh, but I, you know, Dwight was on the forefront of that 80s country artist, just really intent on honoring the roots of, of country music. And you really get that vibe from here. You can see all the different, you know, pulls from bluegrass, from hillbilly. I uh, got in trouble for using the term hillbilly. And um, and I just really liked it. He, he fuses the past and he still tries to keep it relevant to a contemporary audience. Uh, and yeah, this album's a rallying cry that you don't have to dump the 60s and 70s of country music. And, and I dig that. Uh Scott usually mentions how that their you know albums are short and sweet and not much grizzle and I think this is one of them. Uh, it reminds me of the Dolly Parton album that we uh, just uh, reviewed, where you just you get in, you say it, you get out, and, and I dig that album style too. And um, yeah, if you just breeze through this album, um, you could really think that Dwight Yoakam doesn't have that much range in his voice; that he's just like a nasally crooner, but. There's actually a lot of nuance to his voice that if you listen to a whole album of him and not just the singles, uh, that you can find it in there. And so I really came out with a greater appreciation of his instrument uh, listening to this album as opposed to just all the, you know, the A-sides that uh, I got to listen to uh, on the radio and in the radio station. I was surprised he led with the cover. Kind of what you were saying there, Scott. Honky Tonk Man is a great song, but I was like, All right, really? It's not even your own song? And that's what you're opening with? But I think it was really just him wanting to come out and um, and position himself. It is his first album. Uh, it, it sets a tone, and it's a good two-stepping song, I suppose. So Yeah, John, um, Johnny Horton was the original yeah. on Honky Tonk Man, yeah. And it's a great song, but I was, like I said, like... To, to lead with the cover seemed unusual because this is back when it was cassettes, eight tracks, still records obviously in play, but order mattered, right? Like you started the cassette, you started the eight track at, at eight. So Ring of Fire did not like it. I did not mm -hmm. think there was anything on the planet that could make me more unhappy than Adam Lambert's cover of Ring of Fire on American <laughs> Idol. Oh, but yeah. it's actually Dwight Yoakam's cover of Ring of Fire yeah. that uh, really blows my mind. I'm like, 
it's just all the stuff that made the original special seem seems absent here. It, it, and there wasn't anything to replace that that he brought mm-hmm. that was unique to it. So it's a really unique version of it for sure. Yeah, and it made me sad because yeah. you know the heartache by the numbers. The other cover is great. You know the lyrics on that. Every day you love me less. Each day I love you more. Uh, love that you know heartache by the numbers. Love that I can't win. But the day that I stop counting is the day my world will end. His voice is perfect for that. Right, he's just got that nasally kind of kind of whine to it that really pays off here um my favorite songs were miner's prayer he you know he ain't a coal miner's daughter but uh country music's always had that place where rapping country actually i find they have their strength in being a voice for the downtrodden and the oppressed uh and it allows two really stoic cultures to voice their inner pain and demons so i i really like that when country artists pay you know their dues to to the people that buy their records um, and I really like Bury Me. I thought it was a really upbeat, boppy duet. Uh, it, it really brings me back. He, he obviously, Johnny Cash is one of his influences. And it reminded me of when Johnny Cash and June Carter used to sing together. Just the style of how they do that duet. I really mm-hmm. appreciated that as another throwback to the earlier country. So my least favorite song was It Won't Hurt. He, when he goes nasally at that, just that really highest part of his register, I tune it. So it's Tubuku. Tubuku. <laughs> Uh, and that's about it other than that i'll be gone it feels like a country rap song you know mc dwight hit it and quit it play a play on i'll be gone in the morning in the morning i'll be gone (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh yeah that's me alan we want to throw it back to you sounds good yeah so country music uh as i've mentioned on previous episodes is not really my wheelhouse um you know, I'm kind of opening my mind to it, but this, this, for whatever reason, guitarist Cadillacs felt strangely familiar to me, and I couldn't, right away, I couldn't figure it out, like, but after a few listens, it hit me, he actually kind of sounds a lot like Wheeler Walker Jr., or rather, Wheeler Walker Jr. kind of sounds a lot like Dwight Yoakam, and if you don't know who Wheeler Walker Jr. is, He's kind of like the Steel Panther of country music, um, <laughs> and if you I don't, don't know, know if you don't know who Steel Panther is, I can't help you out. Um, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, Wheeler Walker is fun for his lyrical content, mind you. But um, it was nice to see that Dwight's twangy brand of country wasn't as foreign to my city boy ears as I was really bracing for. Um, and in typical Allen fashion, the more upbeat songs were the ones that really had me engaged. So I'd be bouncing along to tracks like I'll Be Gone and Honky Tonk Man and the title track, Guitarist Cadillacs in particular. Uh, the one track I really enjoyed the most was actually that song Bury Me, which, uh, as Scott mentioned, is the one that featured mm-hmm. uh, Maria McKee joining Dwight in. It's it's like this upbeat male-female harmonization song, and I'm, I'm just a sucker anytime I hear male-female harmonizations. So that... That one was probably my my standout pick for the album. Uh, I was a little disappointed we didn't actually hear more male-female harmonization. Um, the fiddle. Let's talk about the just sonically what this album sounded like. The fiddle was an instrument uh, that kind of played a key role in everything. And th- that's sort of like, that's something unique to country. 
you don't hear that in rock music. You don't hear that in hip hop, really. The fiddle is very much at home on a country music album. I found on the faster paced songs, it was, in my opinion, it was adding to them, adding to the way I enjoyed it. But fiddle on a slower paced song, it, it just kind of irritated me a bit. And actually, in contrast to what Scott said, the same thing I found with Dwight's vocals. I don't think he's that good of a singer. And on the fun, you know, fast-paced songs, it doesn't really matter as much. And there is some nuance there. But when it comes to the ballads, I just found it kind of his whininess sort of overtook it a little bit too much for me. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I actually didn't... I don't think I hated the cover of Ring of Fire as much as the rest of you guys. It's, you know, it it's kind of an interesting take on it. It's sort of modernizes it a bit from like a 1980s country perspective because I think the original Johnny Cash version was from 1963. Uh, that said, I still think Johnny's version is untouchable. You know, nobody who's ever yeah, covered June, that. June Carter, his wife, wrote that. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, you can't, you can't beat Johnny Cash. Uh, I have, To echo Scott Coates' I, I think this album was a good length. Sonically, I couldn't help but find it a little bit formulaic. You know, each song doesn't really sound that much different from the last song, aside from maybe a slight tempo change. Um, you know, and given this is a shorter album, clocking in at just, just over half an hour, I can live with that. But I think if the album was much longer, my feelings about it might have actually changed a little bit. I don't know. It's just that that repetitive, like... Do, 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 baseline, you know, for for <laughs> half an hour at different tempos. I don't know. Um, but yeah. That sounds like your Oak and Age ending song. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 be do, do. Yeah. All right. Um, so Sidebar. Subscribe sidebar. to Oak and Age. Yeah, youtube.com slash age. That's where I get really geeky about whiskey and cocktails. Um, that's that's about it for me from, from this album. I really, I enjoyed it. And I think I'm going to actually explore more music from this, this sort of era. As Darren mentioned, one of his contemporaries was Steve Earle. And I know that both Steve Earle and Dwight Yoakam had this sort of like rebellious... Um, almost like rock and roll aspect to their music that kind of flew counter to what everyone expected from country music back then. And I really love that song, Copperhead Road by Steve Earle. So I think this album's kind of opened my mind a little bit to exploring more from at least these two musicians and, and checking out their discographies from that sort of mid-1980s and onwards. So um, with that said, I think it's probably time to get into the scores so, Darren, let's start with you again. Sure, sure. Um, but, of course, I, I need to throw in some factoids. So how about 60 seconds of factoids? Hit us with some facts. All right. So first of all, this did reach number one, this album. I think it was actually the Guitars Cadillac song itself. Uh, it's considered uh, 94th of the top 100 country songs of all time by Rolling Stone magazine. Um, Dwight Yoakam is an artist. He had more than 30, like top 10 singles, uh, sold 30 million albums. 
Uh, some weird ones. He was the most frequent musical guest ever, I think still to this date, on The Tonight Show across all the hosts, whether it be Johnny Carson or Jay Leno or uh, uh, Fallon now. Or, yeah, crazy, right? And then he also was the first country music video ever on MTV was uh, Honky Tonk Man, I believe. Um, uh, Scott Gregory alluded to it, but he was right that uh, he called himself, or he's called the music and himself Hillbilly. And other artists at, and labels hated that. They tried, they made him change the album cover and things like that because they're like, God damn it, Dwight, we've spent like the last 50 years trying to prove we're not hillbillies and country music is legitimate. And then him and Steve Rowe brought it right back. So they were all pissed off at him over that. Um, I agree. I think this is a great complete album though, even though it's a bit poppy. Like, you know what? Uh, we live here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the home of the Stampede, the Calgary Stampede. You could put this album on and just put it on repeat and it would like rock any Stampede party for life. And it's definitely something you hear in this city. Uh, often <laughs> um and hey rest in peace to the ranchmans that got closed due to covid so uh that's a big calgary country music icon that is now gone unfortunately um and yeah so i I think he was a really good songwriter too. Like, even though they're a bit poppy, like, like I said, I was surprised how much of the words I remember to this. And I probably really haven't listened to it much since the eighties. I, I have bought it in vinyl and probably in the last few years and listened to it a couple of times, but um, really appreciate that, you know, somebody that can write those songs that you remember uh, after all these years, even a pop song. That's, that's impressive. That's a good songwriter. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, to finish off, I think, uh, if you tried Violet Tourist Sage and Sour Cannabis uh, from the legal market here in Canada, uh, one of my new favorites, uh, Sativa comes in from about 24 to 27%. Kapow! I did not do that before this because I would not have been able to finish this podcast. Just a little edible, that's it. I think I said it was Legend 7, but it's actually Legend Chocolates. Apologies. Anyway, oh, uh, for influence for me, uh, you know, I remember at the time... Uh, you know, I never still really pursued much country, but I appreciate what it was. I'm going to give that a 3.5. Uh, would I recommend it, this album? Uh, I think definitely, um, you know, it's kind of, well, coming a little poppy and some maybe newer uh, country music fans and younger people might not appreciate it as much. Uh, but I think it's still super fun. And it's probably, it's played so much on popular radio that you've probably heard some of the songs. So I'm going to come in at a four in the recommend. And overall, I'm going to come in at a 3.5. I'm just going to ding it a bit for, I just don't think it stands up as well as some other albums. I appreciate what it is. It's a super fun, real fun, good party album. It's just not one. You're not going to put it in like a Led Zeppelin clash. You're like, wow, that was like a magical experience. Um, I appreciate it for what it was. Country music fans, I'm sure, love it more than me. But anyway, that's it. When I move on to uh, Scott. Coat. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Darren. Lots of neat factoids. Uh, mine's. Pretty, I was over 60 seconds. I'm sorry. Mine's uh, pretty quick and simple. Influence, I'll give it a three. I think when I heard Dwight Yoakam's songs back in the day as a DJ, it kind of made me be a bit more open to country music. And I like Dwight Yoakam. Uh, recommend, I'll give it a four. I think, I mean, how can you ignore Dwight Yoakam? And if you want to understand country music's journey, I think Dwight Yoakam's a good place. I'll give it a three, five overall. I enjoyed the album. Short, sweet, tight, no fat in there, just the ring of fire. But aside from that, solid, solid album. How about you, uh, Mr. Gregory? Yeah, I'm going to put Influenced as a, a three. 
I think he and I were influenced by the same people, but, you know, outside of listening to him in the radio station and the singles, uh, you know, I, I think his contemporaries had more of a play on me than, than he did. Would I recommend? I'll put it at a three and a half. Uh, I think there are other contenders out there to really find that 80s fusion of the uh, the 70s country uh, into the, the 80s pop. Um, he does get a little bluegrassy, so I enjoy that. If you like bluegrass, you'll probably enjoy a chunk of this album as well. Overall, I, I'm going to bring it down to a three, just because sometimes uh, he just gets a little too nasally for me, and I can't completely forgive that. Sorry, Dwight. But uh, overall, it's a solid album. I think it's definitely worth at least one listen to. You might pull a single or two out of it. Will you go back to it many times? I don't know mileage may vary <laughs> alan perfect all right um i think so far in our country music series this one is my personal favorite uh i would recommend it i'm giving that a four out of five for recommendation for all the points that uh that the previous gentlemen have made i just uh you know it's it's a really interesting approach to country music it's got some rock and roll influences so uh overall I, I think it's it's worth exploring if you're curious about the country music sound. So that gets a four out of five from me. Uh, influenced my taste. I'm giving that a three because I'm not I'm not really into country music that much overall. Um, but I'm keen to explore his previous discographies. Uh, discography, sorry. <laughs> and overall opinion, I think it's a four out of five. I think it's a really solid, fun listen. Uh, definitely got me out of my comfort zone musically and that's a good thing I like being challenged on my opinions so uh, yeah overall I enjoyed it so yeah that was it for the Sonic Collective for the month of February 2021 with Dwight Yoakam's guitars Cadillacs etc etc and next up uh, we have Scott Gregory who's providing our our pick and that's going to close out our our country music series so I don't know if you want to uh, introduce what the audience can expect, Scott, or if they just have to stay tuned. Yeah, I'm going to post them at the same time. So <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of <laughs> lag time between the two. Uh, they've renamed themselves Lady A, but at the time it was Lady Antebellum, and we'll be doing 2010's Need You Now. I wanted to balance out, uh, you know, get a second female voice in there, but we hadn't done a group yet. So get a group in and something that fast forwards us into the the most second newest age of country. <laughs> so so really see where where things have evolved to. Yeah, interesting. I'm excited to try that one. I've heard of them uh, and I I know they're big, but I, I haven't obviously listened to much. Never heard yeah, of them. So. Okay, cool. Oh, you're, you're in for thanks, a ride. Guys. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks. That's it for the Sonic Collective. You can find us at thesoniccollective.com. We're also on Twitter, uh, Spotify, Facebook, all those good places. So until next time, Alan out. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.